0: Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics. This is the Bellatour Christie Podcast brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evolo, as we step into the arena of ideas. Coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and Ronan, Montana, this is the Villator Christi Podcast. And our word from Scripture today comes from Isaiah 61. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, and proclaim liberty to the captives, to free the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And uh, Curtis, we've kind of cheated on this one, but I wanted to play this yeah. a little bit longer because this is a show. Believe it or not, that I never saw. I've never seen.
1: So, so what is this show? This, this is this is the guy that made everybody fall in love with those square body Chevys um yeah this is fall guy and that uh big lifted long box brown and tan chevy pickup man that was that was like the love of every kid's dreams right there I don't know I'm around my area anyway <laughs>
0: what well, I mean here hear you get on the video you can see that truck jumping over
1: <laughs>
0: I want one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many trucks they destroyed, but man, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, the fall guy. He was a he was a stunt man in Hollywood, but he was also a private detective. So yeah,
0: that is so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before Rock Walker, Texas Ranger was the cool one guy had it before them, so <laughs>
0: now that's saying something to say that he was cool yeah. before Chuck Norris was cool, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so I heard a joke a while back and uh and uh it says uh it says uh everyone everyone walks around wanting to wear Superman pajamas, but Superman walks around wearing chuck Norris pajamas. <laughs>
0: there may be some truth to that
1: (laughs) i just thought that was good that was pretty pretty darn funny (laughs) yeah yeah so we finished off the christology series and uh and i hope that everybody's uh satisfied with that um as of now and uh, uh has information in there that we can go back i mean there's there's a lot of information in every single one of those podcasts that's take a long time to get through i I think it's um, some of the deeper stuff we've done and I've, I enjoyed it um, I enjoyed seeing how the scripture ties together with you know Old Testament New Testament and how um, a lot of the writers really held um, Held held the high Christology um and then and then the early church held to it, and just the historical facts of it, it's just it's just all powerful to me.
0: Well, I' muted myself. There we go. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: You did what I did last week. had a mute. <laughs>
0: I've got stuff falling yeah. all over the place here. I've actually got some uh, great news. Um, you know the uh, dissertation is not completely finished, but I am. Uh, I have completed the majority of the research uh, for uh, the dissertation, and chapter five is. I mean, I've got a few editorial things to still yet to do before submitting it, and I've got one small conclusion. Uh, to wrap up, which would be a sixth chapter, but it's not going to be nearly as detailed and and, and involved as the other chapters were. So for all intent and purposes, the dissertation is just about complete. It's just got a, it's been boxed up, it's just ready to be wrapped, and put a nice little shiny bow and submit it, and it'll be done.
1: So it's the the final leg, and we're getting closer and closer. It's
0: the final countdown. Did you ever...
1: Did you ever think that you'd be this far along when you started? (laughs) I mean, everybody shoots for it, but, you know, you're like, man, that's a long ways away.
0: It is, because, you know, I started in 2017, um, so it's been a while since I've started. And, you know, at first I thought, you know, man, I'm never going to get through all these classes. And then after I took the last class, I thought, Man, it went by a lot faster than I anticipated. I mean, even though it had been a few years. And then I thought, well, man, when I first started this, I am never going to get this thing, this dissertation finished. And now here I am getting ready to wrap it up. And, and it's been by the grace of God. But boy, I'm going to tell you something um, that I never anticipated. And I don't know if everyone in, in, experiences this, but I have heard other people say something similar. That especially, especially doing a PhD in this in this line of work with biblical studies, I never realized that there would be as much spiritual warfare going on toward, especially toward the very end of it. Uh, that was something I, I was not anticipating and and hadn't planned for. But wow. just some bizarre things the devil would throw out. Um, it's yeah, it's. <laughs> The spiritual warfare dynamic is is a lot, is, is very real. Wow. And again, that's just not something that I had expected or even planned for.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that, um, man. Christians for so long have walked unaware of the spiritual warfare and the spiritual battle and the spiritual realm. And then others have made it weird to the point that some just would just rather not even engage with the with the thought that there's um, the spiritual battle going on. But truly, um, we sh- we got to be. We should definitely be sensitive to to what what's going on around us in in the spiritual realm, and and uh, you know brand, brand security and, and, uh, you know, guidance and all of that. Just, it, it's so powerful when we just, when we go to the throne room of God and we ask for his guidance, ask for his protection, ask for his wisdom in situations and help. Yeah, it's just, we sh- we gotta, we gotta walk spirit led for sure.
0: Well, and, and the thing is, we've got to remember, is that we live in a very spiritual world. And mm. here again, working in hospice ministry, as as I have been for the past almost two years, yeah, I was telling someone not long ago, that there, there are a lot stranger things that happen than I would have ever anticipated. Just showing mm. the spiritual dynamic that is, I mean, because when, when we're really passing away, we're... we're really transferring from this state of existence into another state of existence. So it's almost as if you should expect, anticipate some crossover in, in that area, in that realm. And, and sure enough, there is uh, far mm. more than I ever realized. Um, I mean, I could tell you stories. I was telling someone a story that happens, and it still happens to me, uh, that uh, it's, it's just really mind-boggling. <laughs>
1: mm. Yeah. Some crazy stuff. Mm. Yeah, well, the other thing is, is uh, out here, it's it's sunshiny and, and good right now, good weather. It's, uh, you know, get out and enjoy the nice sunshine and connect with God and, yeah. Absolutely. Connect with family. Mm. Yeah, so anyway, we're kind of diving into a small little four-part You could say series, I guess, but it's just a little uh, four-part unit that we've been that we're talking about. um, Messianic prophecies, um, you know, Messianic prophecies of the passion of Jesus, of 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 working up to the cross, uh, working up to the cross, through the cross, and into the resurrection. Um, So, yeah,
0: you know what's amazing about this, and I I don't mean to take away from our, our podcast. It's amazing to think that we've only got two months left on this in season five. <laughs> we've got this month talking about messianic prophecies. Next, you know, the uh, this month. I mean, next month we'll have some, you know, independent shows. You know, we, I, I know we'll talk about that as we get closer to it. But, uh, but then then we'll have get be getting ready for the summer interview series. <laughs> so, I mean, it's Crazy. just where in the world is time going? On the, you know,
1: uh, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> It is just crazy. Um, Just flat out crazy. Yep. Oh, but the good thing is, is, uh, you know, you'll be defending your dissertation. And once that's done, then uh, there's going to be some other things coming on Bellator Christie that kind of looking forward to, you Mm -hmm. know, being able to being able to kind of announce that for the people. And yeah, how much fun is that going to be? You know, (laughs) We're
0: gonna be definitely soldiering on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Buckling down a little bit. So anyway, so this this first part here, Brian, we got it titled Forerunner and Messianic Ministry. And I'm I'm curious, let's go ahead and start off. What are we looking to discuss in this four part series? So
0: If you recall back in December, we had a series, I think it was also a four-part series, where we looked at uh, the the Messianic prophecy in the Old Testament. And we we looked for those weeks at passages particularly dealing with the Messiah overall, and we're really particularly looking at the birth of of Jesus and things related to the the birth of, Uh, His birth, His incarnation, and and things of that nature. Now, there will be, granted, some crossover between this series and and the last series. But where the last one was giving kind of an overview looking at the birth of Jesus, this series is really going to be looking at the passion story. We're we're going to look at... um, the and when we talk about the passion story, we're talking about the events leading to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, now, there are some things in, in our first podcast tonight. We're, we're going to kind of give kind of that overarching details. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the the function of the Messiah, what he what he came to do, and so there'll be a little crossover. Uh, between this podcast and, and the last series. But uh, in our next episode coming up next week, which would be, interestingly, uh, in Holy Week, the Wednesday before Good Friday, we're going to talk about the, the betrayal and crucifixion of Jesus what the messianic prophecies tell us about his betrayal, what they say about his crucifixion. Then the third episode will be uh, the Wednesday after Easter, and we'll be talking about the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. <laughs> Just follow suit, you know. And then, uh, <laughs> and then our yep. fi- and then our final episode uh, in the series is going to talk about the reign and return of Jesus. So we'll talk about what it tells us about his uh, his rule, his reign. Uh, and, and especially what, is, what it talks about, the, his, his return, the second coming of Christ is what we're talking about there. So uh, that's kind of the, the road map that we have before us. So uh, so again, tonight we'll talk about the forerunner of Jesus and his, and Jesus' messianic ministry. The next one will be the betrayal and crucifixion. third one will be resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. And then the last one will be the reign and return.
1: Yeah. Yeah, come quickly, Lord.
0: Amen to that. (laughs) Maranatha.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, do any of the Old Testament uh, prophecies mention the role of the prophetic forerunner?
0: Yeah, and so here we're talking about John the Baptist, and obviously they they don't say John the Baptist is coming. (laughs) They obviously don't say that. But we do have some passages of Scripture that tell us a little bit about this forerunner. And... I can't go into too much detail but I did the final passage in Matthew that I examined for the dissertation actually delved into the relationship between Jesus and John the Baptist and there was a bit of discussion between the early disciples of John and and the disciples of Jesus for some the disciples of John they thought that he was the final prophet and God was bringing in the kingdom through right after John the Baptist. Well, the early Christians understood, and even were told in the Gospels tell us, the Gospel writers tell us that John said this, that he was the forerunner to the Messiah, and he identified the Messiah being Jesus. So this is more actually more in line with what we find in the prophecies. And so let's go ahead and read that. Uh, Curtis, would you like to read the first one for us? And this one is in Isaiah 40, uh, verses 3 through 5.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, If you don't mind, I'll back up just a little bit. 40, uh, verse 1, it says, God is saying to Isaiah, he's saying, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Verse three: A voice cries in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley should be lifted up, and every mountain should mountain hit mountain and hill should be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain. And so, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the flesh shall see it together. Ufta! Ufta! Mm-hmm. Ufta!
0: And. In my translation, it says, "For the mouth of the Lord has spoken," and that right that shows yep.
1: the, the mouth of the Lord has spoken, the
0: declaration of God that that is it is to come, it is to come. Now, one, I was reading through some notes as we were preparing, and one one of the commentaries talked about the the role of a herald, and this was this is the role that the prophet before the Messiah would 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 hold. You know, the, the herald would come before the king. A lot of times they would come and announce either the king is coming to destroy the land or they would announce the king is coming to declare victory. Uh, Mm -hmm. This note here also talks about the herald rallied his hearers to prepare a road that would make a quick and easy access for God to return the promised land in order to restore his people. And the wilderness was difficult to cross, and so if you think about, you know, the different wadis they had, and uh, high mountains, and and so uh, even some areas where maybe there is a lot of grass and things like that, they they would prepare that road for the king to come. So, in or, in other words, what Isaiah is saying here is that this forerunner would be one who would prepare the way for the Messiah, who is Jesus. Now, the question is. How did the New Testament writers see this? Well, um, in in Matthew 3, uh, it says, In those days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, uh, metanoia is the word in Greek, turn from one direction, turn completely to go into a different direction, turning one's heart to God, because the kingdom of heaven has come near." For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah who said, A voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Uh, Now, Mark, let's take a look at uh, Mark uh, 1, verse 3. Uh, It says, uh, he starts this off, John Mark does, saying, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. Uh, He will prepare your way, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, and so on. Prepare the ways of the Lord. And then he talks about in verse 4, connecting this with John the Baptist, talking about how John came baptizing. Now, Mark is not one to mince words. He's not going to go into a lot of details. He's written more for a Roman audience. He is fast-paced, not detail-oriented. It's like an action gospel. It's like a... um, is almost if you're talking about a movie it's an action movie. It's moving from quickly from one scene to another and so that's how John describes uh, the role of, of John. Now in Luke uh, let's take a look at Luke uh, chapter 3 uh, and he also does the same thing. He talks about uh, God's word came to John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Uh, He went in all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And then he, then here again, quotes the same passage of Scripture that Curtis just read. Now, if you also go down in chapter 7, uh, verse 27, uh, he also says here, Jesus does, uh, after, this is, now here again, this is part of the passage of Scripture I was looking at in in Matthew's Gospel. It's the story of how John's disciples came and met with Jesus, and they said, John wants to know, are you really the Messiah, or should we expect someone else? And I love this passage of Scripture, because in verse 21, Luke tells us, and it's implied in Matthew, Luke tells us explicitly, at that time Jesus healed many people of diseases, afflictions, and evil spirits. He granted sight to many blind people. And then he says, <laughs> mm-hmm. Go and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind mm-hmm. receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And this is a quotation of uh, or an allusion back to Isaiah 61. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. And so he goes on to talk about John's ministry. And then he says in verse uh, verse twenty seven, uh, see, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. Now this is a passage of scripture in in Malachi, but here he still makes that connection of John being that forerunner uh, to his ministry. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's take a look. Now talking we're talking about Malachi. Let's go to Malachi uh, chapter three, verse one, and I'm going to flip over here in, in this other Bible with you. Uh, Malachi Last book of the Old Testament mm-hmm. And I am not going to win The sword drills tonight Because I can't see Oh here we go John, Matthew Malachi chapter 3 And verse
1: 1 It says behold And when it says behold That means hey pay mm-hmm. attention Absolutely. Hey look out <laughs> It says I send my messenger And he will prepare the way for me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts.
0: So here again, we see that the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And there's a messenger preparing. A messenger preparing the way of the Lord. Now i got to be careful because I can't go too deep in this. (laughs) Because I'm still brimming brimming with all of this stuff I've just done with the dissertation. But Jesus viewed himself as a divine emissary of God. That means he wasn't a herald. He was the person through whom Yahweh, the Father, Adonai, was bringing the kingdom to earth the kingdom is already here now. The kingdom of heaven is already here now, and it's through the people of God. The kingdom is here. Now, it's going to be coming in its fullness in the end times. So the Lord is bringing forth the appearance of the Lord. Now, there's a lot of connections we can make with that. Uh, but for mm-hmm. the time being, we see that this messenger is preparing the way of the Lord. It's, it's a messenger of the covenant. Now, some, you know, this is messenger of the covenant. So... Jesus sees this in in Luke um, 7 27. He, he quotes Malachi 3: one. He connects this with um, he connects this with um, John the Baptist. Now let's take a look at Matthew, Matthew eleven10, Matthew 1110. 11, uh, here again this this is the same story. Uh, that Jesus that Jesus uh, talks about, with, talks to the uh, disciples of John. He quotes Malachi three one when describing the ministry of uh, John the Baptist, and then in Mark one two, we've already read that. That's the connection he makes, quoting Malachi three one, and then let's take a look at Luke one seventy six. I think he's probably going to do something similar here, one seventy six. Um, and we are, this is where his, John's father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. He prophesies this amazing prophecy. Uh, and in the midst of this prophecy, in verse 76, and he says, A new child will be called a prophet of the Most High if you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. That is a quotation, that is an allusion back to Malachi 3 1. Now, it's not identified, it's not tagged as such in uh in in the gospel in the in the translation here well i guess it is in one of the footnotes but he is talking about malachi 3, one, seeing his son as the fulfillment of that prophecy absolutely amazing mm.
1: and you think about them guys um uh, growing up you know and what's what was spoken over them and and uh their their miraculous births both of them i mean Jesus being born of a virgin, and
0: and <laughs> then John it... the
1: Baptist being born of 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 two very elderly yeah. geriatric people that's miraculous in itself. And and, and uh, you know, there's a scene on the series the, the series The Chosen, and there's a scene in there where jesus and john the baptist both are talking together about it and they both refer to their miraculous births at that and i didn't even think of that when i said it but but they when i after i said it I it, it hit me i remembered them talking about that and that is you think about it think about how they would have grown up with those stories and and the questions in their heads and their minds. And then learning the scriptures as they grow, and and uh, as the scriptures say, Jesus grew in stature and and you know knowledge and wisdom. And oofta uh, man, there's some pretty deep stuff there.
0: And I am more and more I am more and more convinced that synagogues regularly taught the Scriptures. I mean, I know there's evidence for it, but I'm am, I am more and more convinced that that's the case. And I'm more and more convinced that not only did it happen in the synagogues, but happened in the homes where people were repeating. They were memorizing Scripture. They were committing it to the heart, committing it to the memory, but they were also contemplating the Scripture. They were thinking upon it. They were making it part of their lives. It became involved in the community. And so these conversations would have been commonplace uh, right. With people to, to to you know, a passage was. I mean, it was very text oriented in the sense that they they read a passage of scripture. Uh, a few words were spoken of over this scripture, maybe in explaining it, but but it was repeated. It's, in this oral culture. They have they have a benefit that we don't have in the fact that they absolutely had to depend upon their memories. My wife made an observation not long ago. She works with a uh, she she or she used to work with a uh, individual who was uh, not fully blind but very visually impaired and said this individual had a memory like you wouldn't believe because they, this person couldn't depend upon their eyesight. They had to depend mm-hmm. more on their memory, and their memory was fantastic wow. because they exercised so much uh, mm-hmm. repetition and, and exercised so much and just storing things in their memory. If you have a community of people doing this, the amount of information that can be preserved and passed on from one generation to the next is just enormous because it is self-correcting all the way. It is absolutely phenomenal to consider.
1: Mm. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. And then I know we had one one more in uh, uh, Malachi 4.
0: Yeah, Malachi 4, 5. 4,
1: verse 5, that I think is, is important to to pause and think about here because this is where God gets specific (laughs) very specific (laughs) yes this is who to look for and says behold I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of the fathers and their children in the hearts of their children to their fathers Lest I come and strike the land with a dis- with a decree of utter destruction.
0: So I, I, there's a note here that says that uh, Elijah is mentioned some 28 times in the New Testament. 28 times Elijah wow. is mentioned in the New Testament. Huh. This was also he was one of the guys that appeared with Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm-hmm. So there are some important things to, to remember here. So I want to read a passage of Scripture. This also comes from Matthew 11, when Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. And he said in verse 13, For all the prophets and the law prophesied unto John. Uh, then he says in verse 14, And if you're willing to accept it, he, being John, is the Elijah who is to come. Let he, anyone who has ears to hear, listen, okay? Elijah was, now he is not talking about reincarnation here. I've heard some people well, say that. Yep. He's not talking about reincarnation here. Why do I know this? Because on the Mount of Transfiguration, the spirit of Elijah appeared with Jesus. on Most probably it was Mount Hermon um and that's where i believe because it's the highest mountain in the area snow capped most times of the year even in israel um so i'm like something like nine, over 9000 feet high it's it's a very high mountain at the very northern <laughs> northern side of Israel, and actually the snow melt melts in to the Jordan River and is what one of the feeders for the Jordan River from from Mount Hermon. But it, so so we know John the Baptist wasn't Elijah in the sense that he wasn't the reincarnation of Elijah, because John had his own soul, he had his own mind. Elijah was in heaven; he appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, but Elijah. Is is mentioned as the preeminent prophet of repentance. That means that he is a symbol, he is the prototype of a repentance type of prophet. Uh, and so when he when the scriptures talk about the Elijah who is to come, it's talking about one who would be a forerunner, preparing the way, preaching a, a ministry of repentance, a baptism of repentance, preparing the hearts for the Messiah who was to come. And so we see this in Matthew eleven ten. 10. Uh, we also see in uh, Mark 1, 2. We've already read that. There's no use to, to reread that now. Um, uh, Mark 9. Let's take a look at Mark 9. Um, Mark 9, verses 11 through 13. Um the disciples asked Jesus a question, and this actually happens after the Mount of Transfiguration, because they're they're confused because Elijah was on the mountain. They asked him, um, well, let's go back to verse I'll tell you what, let's go back to verse seven. And read the following. A cloud appeared overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is after Moses and Elijah had appeared with Jesus. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone else with them except Jesus. As they were coming down from the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept this word to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. They didn't know. (laughs) Then they asked him, asked Jesus, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus says, Elijah does not does excuse me, Elijah does come first and restores all things he replied, why then is it written that the son of man must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did whatever they pleased to him just as as it is written mm-hmm. about him. Okay, so here again, John was the Elijah to come. Now, let's take a look at uh, uh, Luke 1. You know, let's, right, let's go ahead and do it. Luke 1, um, verses 16 through with 17. Uh, this is um, Zechariah saw the angel. Uh, there was, uh, and the angel says, he will turn many of the children to Israel. Um, let's see, hold on, hold on a second, I'm sorry. Uh, what was it, verses 16 and 17? Okay, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, while he is still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. The spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And of course, Zechariah is saying, "How is this? How can this be? Because I'm an old man."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, and then his wife got the best gift ever.
0: <laughs> can you imagine Zechariah? I mean, you <laughs>
1: know, I just say, just just think about it. I mean, I know we I know we beat up on Zechariah, but. You got an angel standing in front. Of you. You're gonna be like, "Well, how am I gonna know?" Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, hmm. I just don't get it, man. <laughs> Sometimes we just say stuff we probably shouldn't say, and then that's probably why the why the angel said, up. Oh, you're done for now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's that's very true. Well, I mean, it's it's like uh, you know, it it's it's. <laughs> i can't imagine Zechariah going home and telling his wife elizabeth this is i saw an angel and this is what the angel told us we have got to have a romantic night because we're gonna have a baby and she looks at him saying are you out of your mind
1: <laughs> uh, you think about that though like sarah you know sarah laughed you know with abraham and sarah and sarah laughed and uh you know, then Jacob was born. So, <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so that's all the New Testament texts I have for Malachi 4 or 5. I mean, powerful. Curtis, I didn't think we were going to have a lot, but we're already 35 minutes past, and we're only going to take questions. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you know, you think about it. This. This. Uh. This stuff here, when you start talking about how, God made it very, very plain to see. The thing is, is they were, the the Old Testament writers and and people of that time period and such all the way up through didn't quite think it was going to be the way that the New Testament records it. So the New Testament guys looking back at it and writing about that the the from that time period before that they weren't expecting all of these things to be folding and happening the way they did um they 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 were expecting elijah um and even to this day um when you go to a passover seder they'll actually leave a a chair open in a seder um for elijah and they'll and really? they'll actually yeah They'll actually go and they'll, um, uh, well, I won't get into all of it because the Passover Seders are just unbelievable, and you just got to look them up and, and even take part in one if you can before Easter. I just say to people, wow, you've got to take part in one. Um, just so many types and shadows and pictures and, and just sounds and tastes and, and just the depth of what a Passover Seder actually is is unbelievable um but yeah they'll they'll uh, they'll leave a uh, spot open for um around the table for uh, elijah and they'll actually have the kids run out um and uh run out the run out the door and uh and yell yell for elijah 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 <laughs> looking for them yeah wow. so yeah it's unbelievable when you think about it how it's all tied together So yeah, so uh, what what do the Old Testament scriptures say of the roles that the Messiah would hold?
0: Now this kind of dips into our last series on Christology because we were talking about the three roles of the Messiah, Uh, not the yeast rolls or anything like that, but we're talking about R-O-L-E-S, the roles, the responsibilities, the job titles that the Messiah fulfilled. And we know that he fulfilled the roles of prophet, priest, and king. So uh, Mm -hmm. pertaining to the prophet, uh, we look at Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19. Would you mind reading that for us, Curtis?
1: Yeah, let me go to the second law here. It's gonna take me a second. I got to go all the way back in the back part of my Bible. I'm not gonna cheat and go <laughs> on the <a> computer here.
0: <laughs> like like, 15, like some uh, of us unnamed people, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> type it in here. <laughs> so,
1: so so the so the heading actually is kind of unique in this portion. Now headings and chapters and verses. Remember when we're talking about this, folks that that the Bible never had chapters, verses, or headings or, or any of that, but some of that stuff is good useful tools for us to actually recognize or to categorize what what's actually being said here because some of the language may be different or what have you and so the 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 bible teams that put these things together um you know as studying the texts and so on and so forth they put these types of headings in there so the heading here is kind of unique it says a new prophet like moses says in Deuteronomy eighteen verse fifteen. It says, The Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me from among you, for your from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Hareb on the day of the assembly when when you said, Let me know let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Or see the great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all I commanded him. Mm. And then let me go on to verse 19 here. It says and whoever will listen to my words that he shall speak in my name. I myself will acquire it of him.
0: So there's some interesting things here, even with this whole entire section. Uh, Going Mm -hmm. back to verse 9, it was talking about um, some of the practices that uh, some of the other prophets who were not of the Lord practiced, and and that was uh, Mm -hmm. interpreting fire, practicing divination, telling fortunes, interpreting omens, Sorcery, casting spells. This is more like witchcraft, craft uh, type stuff here. But but in, notice that in verse fifteen, in contrast to individuals who appointed themselves prophets, here we see that the Lord. Our God raises up a prophet. Uh, This individual has a calling of of God upon him. Now, we know Jesus is God come in the flesh, but still, there's this prophetic role that uh, Jesus fulfills. Now, if we go over to uh, Acts chapter 3, let's see, Acts chapter 3, down to verse 22 and 23, this is. Peter's message, he says in verses 22 through 23, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to everything he tells you, and everyone who does not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from the people. Okay, again, pointing back to Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19. So Peter saw, and by the way, there are good reasons for believing that what we have when we have these messages in the book of Acts, that these are sermon summaries. Uh, They have all the earmarks of having early material, every one of these sermon summaries. Now, these are not the full, complete messages given, but these are summarizations, the core details of the message that's that's memorized, repeated, There's mnemonic devices in this. This is the message uh, pointing back to Peter himself. So, he, Peter, sees this connection uh, between Deuteronomy 18, makes that connection uh, with Jesus. Now, if we go on down to chapter 7, uh, verse 37, uh, we're coming here to uh, the message, I believe this is of... Steven, let's wait a minute, no, Um, let's see, no, this is after Steven, Um, let's see, well, let me just go ahead and read, let's see, uh, okay, I think this is Peter talking to the Sanhedrin, unless I'm greatly mistaken. And if I am, uh, you know, just just correct me on it. But I, I, just to save on time, I believe this is Peter. Peter goes on to say uh, he gives like, like a detailed response here, and it, it, this may be this may be Stephen. I don't, I, but I think it's Peter. Uh, but I'm, I'm having a hard time finding where it says who it is saying this. But anyhow. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. So he's quoting this, and he's the one who was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai with her ancestors. Uh, Man, this is so rich. This connects back to some early understandings of uh, who the Logos, the wisdom of God was, this personification of this divine agent. And they connected that to Christ, to Jesus, and they saw in him the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18. So that's the role of the prophet. But we also see that there's a role of the priest. And and for that, we go to 1 Samuel 2, verse 35.
1: Mm Mm-hmm yep so verse thirty five says and I shall and I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever
0: so the important thing here, and I'm looking here at some notes. Uh, that's on this passage of Scripture. It says, Some suggest Samuel is intended by the phrase of faithful priest, but Samuel did not have an everlasting dynasty as mentioned in chapter 8, verse 1 through 5. So this is pointing to someone else to come. Now, if we go back to Acts chapter 3, in verse 24, uh, here again is uh, the message of Peter. Uh, Right after he quotes from Deuteronomy, in verse 24, he says, "...in addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those after him have foretold these days uh, of, of this high priest." Uh, you were mm-hmm. sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your ancestors. So there's an allusion back to this priestly ministry of Jesus. And, of course, for more details, we can go no, to no, another yeah. no, no place. If, if not, nowhere else. Go to the book of Hebrews, and you see the priestly role of the Messiah and as, as it was yeah. interpreted by the early church. Mm. But then from there, we go to the role of king, and here we go to Psalm 2.
1: Uh, Verse 6 Psalm 2 Verse 6 It says here uh, It says As for me I have set my king on Zion My holy hill
0: So Zion is the mountain of the Lord And the point here is that God's king Is established By God himself Because notice he says I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. So God is appointing his king, his emissary, his divine agent to be king over the world. And just so happens that divine king is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and we know that to be Jesus of Nazareth. Now, we see this also in Revelation chapter 19. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Do you have something you want to say there, Curtis? No, I was
1: just going to say, oof, boy, does that speak loudly of... Just the kingship of God.
0: Oh, absolutely. And this kind of flows from the the tagline we just mentioned. In uh, chapter 19, John says he saw the heaven open and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. And with justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame. He says the same thing of him in the heavenly scene And in chapter 1. Uh, he has many crowns on his head. He has a name written that no one knows except he himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of the Lord. Now, he talks about armies in heaven followed him on white horses. A sharp sword comes from his mouth. He will rule them, rule them with an iron rod, and he shall trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. This is when justice and judgment is coming to the world. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, saying, King of kings and Lord of lords. This God-appointed king is coming to establish His kingdom over the earth.
1: Yeah, yeah, boy, we're we're developing a pretty good picture here of of what uh, what the Old Testament really thought of the the coming Messiah and the and the forerunner. All of that, we're, we're building a pretty good case for it for sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean. He, you have in my opinion i don't understand and, and there's some good people out there who are on both sides of the fence but in my uh, my understanding and interpretation of scripture i don't see why anyone would reject messianic prophecies uh, in the old testament now some may have been may have been stretched by some in modern times but i'll be honest with you from the ones we've seen and the ones we've discussed not only in this podcast series but the one before I think that as you said there's definitely a strong case uh for the Old Testament speaking into the whole understanding of who the Messiah would be.
1: Mhm. So this next next one we're going to kind of get in a little specific here. Um what what does Isaiah 61 1 through 2 say about the messianic mis- ministry?
0: Okay, let me first of all say in Matthew chapter eleven. Jesus, when responding to the disciples of John, he uses language that that just holds all kind of signs of being early, pointing back to Isaiah sixty one, and so I, this is also, by the way, the passage of scripture that he read in Nazareth when he was when he proclaimed himself as the fulfillment of this. Of this mystery, the fulfillment of this prophecy, he proclaimed himself in Nazareth as that person, and they wondered, "Well, who is this guy? This what well, such gracious words he has? This this son of Mary and uh, uh, the carpenter's son? Well." The passage is messianic. Speaking of that of that servant motif, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me. Now understand, back in the Old Testament days, the Spirit didn't rest on just anybody. It was mainly prophets, priests, and kings. Because the Lord has anointed me. Now look who has anointed whom. The Lord, that is the personal name of God, the Yahweh, has anointed this person. And what has he anointed this person to do? To bring good news to the poor, the word um um we we is which is the word of uh, um uh, evangel evangelism or, or proclaim proclamation of the good news uh, is connected back to uh to this word bashar or, or basar uh this this word that talks about this proclamation the good news which is found here in. Isaiah 61. And who is he proclaiming this message of the gospel to? When we say gospel, we're talking about good news. Look, he's saying he's bringing it to the poor. He's not bringing it to the high and mighty. That doesn't mean that those who are in high and mighty, that they can't hear the gospel. This is just meaning that this news isn't preserved only for the wealthy and the elite, that all people are brought the good news of God. And he has sent me, he says here to heal the brokenhearted. uh, Those who are um, brokenhearted over sin, those who are brokenhearted over life, because life is difficult, life can beat you up, we all know that. But he's come to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Why? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and that this this new era of the new covenant and the day of our God's vengeance to comfort all who mourn. Now, now see the distinction. For some people, it, it'll be the year of the Lord's favor. For others, it'll be a day of vengeance. There's that dividing line yeah. that this that this divine agent makes. And then going down to verse 3, to provide for those who mourn in Zion and give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, splendid clothes instead of despair, and they shall be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify Him. By the way, there are allusions to this passage of Scripture in the Beatitudes. Think about it. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, look what it says in verse one. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to to uh, who've been persecuted for unright for for righteousness' sake, to comfort those who mourn, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. The beatitudes are deeply rooted in Isaiah sixty one, and so. Anyhow, we see that this ministry is, is foretold to be a healing ministry, of one that's going to have spiritual power and spiritual anointing, and a proclamation of good news, not only to the elite, but also to the poor. It's going to be a proclamation to all people to, to heal, to mend, and proclaim liberty.
1: Hmm. Yes, that's good. Gotta preach. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So then, what does Isaiah thirty, verse nineteen through twenty six, tell us about the teaching ministry of the Messiah?
0: All right. So going to um, nineteen through twenty six, let's go ahead and read this uh, passage of scripture.
1: It's crazy that this was before, you know, the announcement of 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 the Messiah. You could say,
0: yeah there are good reasons for believing that the the servant and obviously the servant songs and uh, the, the servant is really focused in in chapters 40 through 66 but there are reasons for believing that there are that there are allusions to this servant even prior to uh, chapter 40 that that the entire book of Isaiah has something alluding to or uh, concerning the this the servant so here, here the for the people will live on Zion this is the holy mountain of God in Jerusalem. You will never weep again. He will show you favor to show favor to you at the sound of your outcry. as soon as he hears he will answer you. Here in verse 20, the Lord will give you a meager bread and water during oppression but your teacher, okay your teacher will not hide any longer. Your eyes will see your teacher, and whenever you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear this command behind you, This is the way, walk in it. Then you, then you will defile your silver-plated idols and your gold-plated images. You will throw them away like minstrel cloths and call them filth. And so he goes on and, and talks about streams flowing with water will be on every high mountain and every raised hill on the day of, uh, and, you know, goes, goes on and talks about uh, the, the judgment of God, the, the favor of God for those who, uh, which depends on which side of the aisle that you're on. So, but nonetheless, he's talking about this teacher. Many people believe that this teacher is talking to, or talking about the Messiah, and that that was fulfilled by the teaching ministry of jesus now there's a lot more we could go yeah. into that but for the sake of time we'll have to leave it just it, we'll leave it there at this time
1: i would certainly think that uh, you can you can look at jesus's ministry and look at what what he accomplished in fulfilling this prophecy
0: oh absolutely absolutely
1: so so which Old Testament scriptures speak of the triumphal entry of Christ, and what do they tell us?
0: Okay, so as, as we're moving along, we're now talking about the triumphal entry of Jesus. Coming up this Sunday, uh, we're going to have what's called Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday before Easter. This starts what's traditionally called Holy Week. On Palm Sunday, this is the Sunday where historically Jesus entered uh, the gates of Jerusalem, riding on a, was the coal of a, 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 a I think of a donkey, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, yep. The, he he rode on this, and then people re- recognized the representation of uh, of of what this meant in the Old Testament, and they laid down palm leaves. That's why we get the name; hence, the name Palm Sunday. And said, Hosanna. We'll read that passage of scripture there as well. But, Curtis, how about reading for us Zechariah 9, verses 9 through 10?
1: It says, uh, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble, the mounted on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. Yep. Okay, and then verse ten, verse ten, sorry Brian, I, oh, no, I kind of had a had a little hiccup there. I had to
0: <laughs> I <have> no problem
1: <laughs> says, verse ten it says, "I will cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from the sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth.
0: oh well that, that,
1: that's mm. well so he was, he's coming in peace he, he's, a, he's a victorious king coming in peace. Th-
0: yes, absolutely but there's there, there's also another little marker not only, not only is he coming in peace but there's also another little marker about this. Th- there's a note here that says that since the days of David and Solomon they had looked and anticipated and desired a king to come who had the same stature as themselves. But if you follow the story of Israel, there was no king that ever matched the glory and splendor of of David and, and Solomon's kingdoms. Uh, it never happened. Um, in fact, it was just one scandal after the next, if you follow the storyline, which led into a divided kingdom. Led to a divided kingdom, which resulted in the northern kingdom of the north, which was ambushed and uh, decimated by uh, Assyria, and then the southern kingdom of Judah, which was exiled and taken away by Babylon. That's where you have the stories of uh, of Daniel and the and the and the three Hebrew men uh, that were thrown in the uh, pit of fire, and then, of course Daniel was thrown in the lions' den. Uh, but one of the things but Jesus would be the the king that would come that would be even grander and greater than David and Solomon but the interesting the interesting symbol as prophesied in verse 9 is that he wouldn't come riding a mule which was common for kings he would ride a donkey which signifies signifies unexpected humility And this prophecy was recognized by early Christians as applying to Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now, let's take a look here at Matthew 21. Let me flip over here, Matthew 21, verse 9. So, here's the story Jesus came from Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. He, he tells the disciples to go to the village. You'll find a donkey tied there with her colt and tie them and bring them to me. If anyone says, say that the Lord needs them and they'll let you have it. That's middle knowledge there he, and foreknowledge there as well. So he goes on to say in verse 9, so he uh, rides in on the donkey uh, the disciples went verse six, did just as Jesus directed them. they bought a, bought, brought the donkey and the colt, they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road, others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Palm trees here. and uh, then the road the crowds uh, who went ahead of him and those who sh- uh, followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the, uh, in the highest heaven. So that is the fulfillment. Uh, Matthew saw that being the fulfillment of, of uh, this messianic prophecy, but there's also another one uh, that we need to consider that actually has root. Uh, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It actually comes from uh, Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26. Psalm
1: 118. Yeah, and it says, uh, uh, it "says Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success." Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch Haba Adonai.
0: Yeah, hey, there you go, speaking oh, that's tongues.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what that's how you say that right there. Yeah, that's a new one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Baruch Haba Adonai. Yep. Yeah. yeah, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you for the house of the Lord. Yep. Okay. There it is, yeah.
0: Yep. So um, <laughs> that was very well done, Curtis. I didn't know you spoke <laughs> Hebrew. That was pretty good.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a few that I there's a few that I know. <laughs>
0: so so powerful
1: here, when you think about it, that's what that's what they would have been shouting. Absolutely.
0: Know? Absolutely. So Hosanna, Lord save us. Uh grant us success. And so here again. You see that they're they're shouting the same thing. They're connecting his entry with Psalm one eighteen, and you see that here in Matthew twenty one. Uh, you see, let's just also take a look at uh, Mark uh, eleven, Mark eleven, verse uh, nine, and so here's the same story. Uh, he, Mark records that they say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the, of the Lord. Uh, Luke nineteen thirty eight, you see the same case. Let's take a look over at John 12, uh, verse 13. Um, and so here again is the same story. Uh, the, he, he, they took palm branches. They went out to meet him. They kept shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The king of Israel, they add. Uh, mm. the, the king of Israel. So... Um, here again, you see this fulfillment, and we find it in three sources uh, this understanding that Jesus was the fulfillment of this prophecy. When he rode in on on that colt, when he rode in, it was sim- symbolized Jesus' understanding that he was fulfilling Zechariah 9, 9, 9, through 10. He was fulfilling Psalm 118, verse 25 through 26. The early Christians understood this, and the only way this story would have ever been preserved, and that we would even know about it, is if Jesus had resurrected from the dead. Because there's no yeah. way they would have they would have identified that, or even if they identified that, there's no way they would have preserved that story if something hadn't happened to uh, show his power and that he was in fact the Lord's the Lord who had come to them, the promised. Uh, fulfilling the promise of these pro- uh, prophecies given of old.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you wonder if uh, the the Jesus's um, disciples were were kind of just like, what is this meaning? What what's going on? You know, are we? I mean, they're thinking a a a. Takeover of of Rome and a take and a knockdown of Rome, and so they're they're looking at it a little differently than what um, what we're looking at it now. Looking back, my question is just how would they have been looking at that?
0: Well, you know, I, I think Jesus would have been educating them and training them, teaching them the scriptures in in private places and in public places. Um, he would have given them the backstory to this. He would have given them the information, but it may not have, have come. And because he was telling them, for instance, he told after Simon and Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He told them the mission, what would be happening, and how this would be the fulfillment of the Scriptures. But they didn't understand it. They said, well, this means we're going to go fight, and we're going to take over Israel. So like you said, Curtis, they had that mindset. And we can't blame them because... From my studies, I I've, I've found that the real big line of demarcation, there are similarities between Jesus and rabbinic understandings in many different areas, but the line of demarcation, it seems like it always comes about who from who the recipients would be of these divine promises. For, for, for Greatly, the rabbinic understanding would have held that Israel, and Israel alone would have been the recipient of these promises, And that's that's why this understanding of a violent takeover would have been in consideration. But Jesus is saying, no, there's another plan that God has established, and it's not only for Israel, but it's for all people. And it just so happens if you look at the texts, instead of the traditions uh, that that, uh, they had established for themselves, instead of the interpretations, but you look at the Scripture, the Scripture says that. But yeah. And we can't blame them because we all do it. You know, a lot of times we get stuck in our own niches and, and our own uh, interpretations, and so it, it kind of leads us away from what the Scripture may actually be saying. And by the way, going back to a point that you made earlier in the podcast, I think is, is really worth noting, a lot of the people, even though we see it now post-Easter, when um, we wonder, how do people miss it? Well, it came about in a way that was very different than what they expected. Mm-hmm. And, so, and they had the Scripture, they knew the Scripture. So the end times scenario for us is going to happen much the same way. We know the general facts, we know the general details, we know the general seasons to look for. But I can about guarantee you that when all is said and done after we're resurrected, after the Lord returns, and we look back at how it happened, we'll be saying, ah, how did we miss that? But in our own minds, we had it arranged a different way than what the Lord was going to bring about. Even though we had all the details that we needed to know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So there you have it, folks. It's some of the stuff right here that uh, is good to take in, good to start getting your... uh, mind wrapped around what we're approaching now so going into like brian was saying going into uh palm sunday um going into all these um times and seasons um search for them look them up and and try to figure out what what's being said and done and maybe even take in a a a passover seder if you can or or uh read about one or look at look one online and and watch one go on uh these are important things that, that point to Christ as we go into the passion, uh, the passion week, and uh, as as God was preparing the way, He was also preparing His Lamb for the cross, and that is something powerful that we should all be thinking of right about now. Because as we enter into this season, there is something great in. The enemy would love nothing more than to take in and distract us from what we're supposed to be doing, taking in the love of Christ that was hung there on the cross. And we here at Bellator Christi want to thank you for spending that time together with us and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith. As we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, soldier on, friends. friends.